0: Welcome to Thrivers, impact-driven leadership for the next normal. I am your host, Tucker Wanamaker, the CEO of Thrive Impact. And if you're listening to this, you are probably someone who doesn't just want to do nice things in the world, but you actually want to create positive change in people's lives and not burn out while doing it. Well, how do you do that? Well, our mission is to redefine what normal is for workplace leadership, to be about co-creating impact from the inside out. Burnout is the enemy of creating positive change, and we want to connect you with impact-driven leaders and ideas so that you can learn to thrive in today's landscape. And I'm joined today with a couple guests, but also my co-host, Sarah Fanslau. Sarah, our chief of impact. We've had a doozy of a week this week of fun <laughs> yeah. and conflict and, and getting into back into the year and all kinds of things. So it's nice to be here with you and, and uh, riffing on some important topics that we're about to riff on. And uh Sarah, before we hop into the introduction of our guests, which I'm very excited about. I know we say that every time, but this is a really great one. True. Sure. Uh, any reflections about what we're about to talk about? Anything that's coming up for you?
1: Well, like you, I'm just excited to chat with um Cynthia and Sheila from Greater National Mental Health and learn what they've been learning. Uh, as they've been what is like year two of implementing the strategic plan is Basically, come to a close. So I'm just so so excited. It's like you know, catching up with an old friend after about a year's time. So, just super excited to hear what they learned.
0: And to that point, Sarah, I'm really excited about whatever um, genuine lived experience learning has been happening because we. This is the first time we will have done a podcast with a guest that we've had a year and a half ago around their strategic plan. And now this is like this is like our mini longitudinal study. I know I shouldn't really say <laughs> that, but uh, just say it. I know for the impact evaluators like you, Sarah, especially really. you're like no, no, yeah. no. This is <laughs> However, I tell you know what I'm getting at, which is yeah. like, yeah. So we did all this work, and and now what? How did it go? How has it gone? So yeah. that being said, let me introduce our guest, which uh, we have Dr. Cynthia Whitaker. She is the president and CEO of Greater Nashua Mental Health in New Hampshire, and uh, and. Uh, one thing I I wanted to remember from our last podcast, Cynthia, that we had is that uh, I wanted to re congratulate you for you you had won one nonprofit of the year back in the day, and you've I think you've received some different awards since then. But I just wanted to congratulate you again for being a nonprofit of the year, uh, particularly in your area of Greater Nashua, New Hampshire. Well, oh, so thanks, is-
2: Tucker. Yeah, that, that feels like forever ago. <laughs> and so, so many things have happened since, which we'll get to tell you about.
0: I know, I can't wait. Um, and also who's joining us, uh, who is not a guest on that first podcast, but has been such an integral part of, I know, Cynthia, your journey, is uh, Sheila Considine Sweeney. Did I get that right, Sheila? I think I did. You sure did. Uh, she, you are the Senior Director of Strategic Initiatives and uh, Sheila, I know in the work that we had historically done with you, uh, I just remember how incredibly tenacious you were about learning and growing and getting at it and and learning how to really bring the things together. And so I'm so glad that the two of you are here today uh, to be able to share your learnings from your different perspectives in your seats. So Sheila, I'm really grateful to have you here on the podcast. So thanks for coming on.
3: Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I'm excited to be here.
0: Well, so from the last episode, just as a brief recap, uh, Cynthia, I remember some of the things that we were talking about. You had you had been on as CEO for about a year and a half at that point. That was back in September. And uh, you were charged with organizational culture, staff morale. You, we asked you questions around why strategic planning. You had a lot going on. Uh, and strategic planning takes time and it takes resources and it takes money and it takes creative effort. and. And you said, it's time. We needed to pause, we needed to We needed to get alignment as an organization. COVID had changed the landscape of mental health and we need to get aligned on where we're going as an organization. And uh, you shared a little bit about uh, the approach of, uh, that we took you through, and I'm not gonna go through that part um, because we have it as a podcast and people can listen in. But I, just for the sake of context, uh, last time we talked, we had just essentially ended that strategic planning part and started really kicking off into the organizational or the operational part okay. of the strategic plan, and uh, and so I'm excited to dig in a little bit, especially around how's our how have things been going? You know, how has your operations around this and operationalizing of the strategic plan really been going? So that's what we want to dig in with you all a little bit before we get into the questions. Any reflections at all? Uh, before we hop on in?
2: Well, so our podcast was September of 2022-ish, somewhere in that timeframe, yeah. right? So that was even before Sheila moved into her official role as the Senior Director of Strategic Initiatives and mm. really taking on fully the process driver of um, the strategic direction. So there's been a huge shift mm. since uh, since that podcast that I think really has helped us um, operationalize, keep the momentum and the movement um, going. So that that's kind of interesting to think about, just yeah. how far we've really come, because that feels like forever ago and yesterday like at the same time. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It really does. Um, and I would still say that this process absolutely has been the foundation of creating alignment as an organization, I mean, I feel like we're even, we're so more aligned yeah. around values, mission, but having the, the impact pyramid and the pillars, it just gives us such um, clarity and continuity of the language that we use mm. um, that there's no question about where we're headed and what we're up to. Um, mm. So it's interesting you pulled that piece from the podcast because that's so true. So true. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. Wow, and you've really seen that the strategic planning part, the strategic part of the strategic planning p- process, that alignment has really brought, been brought forward. And you're noticing, sounds like you're noticing that, yeah, there's, there's no question. Like we, we all can collectively know where we're going and we're continuing to just align our strengths in order to get that, but there's not a question around where we're going. That's yeah, fascinating.
2: Definitely not. Yeah. It, so interesting to be this far into the process now and say, yeah, that actually did happen. It yeah. wasn't just like words, right? Well, oh, we hope the strategic plan helps us align in our, as an organization. No, it it, it actually really did. It, it really mm-hmm. did.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's cool. Sheila, any, any reflections at all uh, before we hop into some of the other questions? Curious what's coming up for you. I
3: guess for me, uh, the strategic direction, it's like what I live and eat. Breathe all day long every day. Uh, uh, I forget that's what I'm even talking about now. It's just like <laughs> it's just so inbred in my conversations with everyone and making connections to the work that they're doing. I'm like, yeah, that's what we do. That's what we're doing. Uh, hmm. Where before I you know it's uh, it was more uh, thoughtful i had to think about what i was saying and now it's just it's just like who i am now i, mm. I talk about our strategic direction i talk about what our pillar it's just it's yes this is year 2 i'm wondering what year 3 is going to
2: feel like right
0: I know we need impact pyramid t-shirts or something <laughs> <laughs> We got to make some send it yeah
2: we did actually put some of the pillar pictures on the back of a t-shirt that we used in a nami walk Yes. No joke. no joke. The the pictures, the icons that represent our pillars, went on the back of the t-shirt.
0: Oh my gosh! No that's joke. So good. I love that. <laughs> well, I'm curious. You know, as we're kind of reflecting on from 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 whence we came back in the day and to where we're at now, I'm curious. Just uh, a, a simple question around. You know, one of the main pieces of our work at Thrive Impact is around around impact driven leadership. Is around building environments of learning, and uh, I'm particularly curious, what are the things that have continued to come back and come up and 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 have been sticking uh, from the process that we all went through and the journey that you've been on around operationalizing? And also, to the opposite of that, what was like, oh, that was nice, but it never really stuck? Mm-hmm. Um, so again, just want, wanting to get an honest take, uh, what have been the things that have continued to come back um, that you hear naturally in language that people share, whether it's tools or principles or language that we cre- co-created together, whatever it might be, what's what's been sticking and maybe what hasn't been sticking or never did stick?
2: Well, I think the word you just used, the co-creation, actually as a concept is what sticks, mm-hmm. right? And so we co-created the strategic direction, right, with the process that you all facilitated us through, but we're also co-creating now, how we operationalize it and the work mm-hmm. that it happens. and I think this is a, a really important uh, shift that we made between year one and year two, which I'll let Sheila talk about, but the the um, the staff being part of our pillow work groups, and so they're still they're still co-creating.
1: Mm.
2: right? It wasn't uh, we co-created the plan and now the co-creation ended. Mm. right yes. We're still co-creating. Um, and so I, I, think for me that just, just adopting that mindset or, mm-hmm. um, you know, shifting that culture within our organization is, is, is huge. I mean, mm-hmm. just huge.
0: Hmm. And how, how have you seen that play itself out? Like, what does that look like in a meeting or in a, a, a pillar group connection or like, what are some of the nitty gritties that you can think about of like what that tangibly means for, for the organization?
2: I mean, Sheila can give you some examples. I mean, I would just say, just the fact that staff bring forward ideas, yeah. right? It's not a top down. This is how we're going to achieve this target. What do you think? Or even defining the targets. Mm. I mean, Sheila can give an example of one of the groups defining the target mm. uh, of what it would be. So, like, I think that that's really it. So, Sheila, what what, what have you seen inside the pillar work groups that's really shown that? I think. Ooh
3: a great message that the pillar groups have heard in year two. Uh, You may all remember that our, our our previous coaches were members of our senior leadership staff and uh, they took a step back into the mentor role. uh, And we brought in uh, new champions uh, with the message that, our staff can can create, can co-create. They don't need to have information driven down to them from senior leadership uh, as a directive. And uh, it got early on in the second year. It was like, well, do we need to ask permission to do this? And it was, no, we just need, we're informing. We're not seeking permission from, from Cynthia or from the senior leadership team. We're huh. informing them on the work that we're doing because we're working within the... The bounds and the expectations of the strategic direction. So that was that was um, a little scary for staff, I guess, or anxiety yeah. provoking. Mm-hmm. They're like, "We don't have to ask permission." I'm like, "Nope, I'm mm-hmm. here. I, you know, I have permission for us to be able to to do these things. I'm process driving that." So that was exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we were just informing on the work. Uh, also, I think what's happening is I found as a process driver. There's much more strength in our pillar groups when our pillar groups work together to collaborate, to enhance, to drive the work even further than what they could do in their individual pillar groups. Mm. So in particular, uh, one of the things that we did with the impact pyramid is that we shifted where intentional development lives. Mm. Now it's kind of living directly underneath uh, excellence of care and (laughs) Empowered Empowered community. Community. <laughs> that's not good. Uh, <laughs> we're we're but, really
2: aligned. We're really aligned.
3: <laughs> yes. But, you know, there it, it's, you know, I almost see it as, you know, the oldest definition of Atlas holding up the world yeah. in a way that's, yes. uh, it's supporting that work. So right. uh, I remember with Sarah and you and I were talking about our year two uh, project plans. I kept on saying cross-pillar collaboration is yeah. so important to me. That word just kept coming back. Yes, <laughs> because I want them to work together. So, for an example, excellence of care and intentional and in development are working together on the access issue. You yeah. know, uh, intentional development is helping uh, rolling out centralized scheduling in our substance use disorder and drug court department. Uh, they're creating dashboards to assist with. Wait times, wait to mm. first appointments, uh, no show rates, uh, yeah. intentional development is working with empowered community to help us have a broader reach in the community to gather information about our community needs assessments and our mm. and our focus groups. Uh, you know, they're working together is making our work propel forward at a faster speed than what I yeah. expected. So, mm. you know, uh, you know Cynthia earlier in the. I don't remember if it was June. She said to me, "You know, what what is a target? What is a percentage that we need to have? Of, you know, what percentage of outcome overall outcome indicators need to be completed by by the end of year two? And we came up with t- the twenty five percent mark needed to be completed. Mm-hmm. I'm already at twenty percent. You know, yes. we're we're cruising, and I yeah. think it's because of the work of the pillar groups
2: together. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, that's co creation, right? Yes. So. Right, and so it's even there. It's not oh, pillar group, you do this. Pillar group, you do this. There's co-creation across the pillar groups, Mm. across the um, across everybody, and so it just creates such momentum. Mm.
1: I love that. Well, and I'm curious, you know, as you think back before the strategic direction and kind of you know how departments were working previous, are you seeing like is this a shift in the way that departments within greater national mental health are working together in general? Curious about how that's, has that shifted the work or is it kind of just shifting the work at the strategic direction level? Curious what that looks like.
2: No, I mean, my perception from a, from a higher level, is it's shifting it all? I mean, not, you know, it's a, it's a journey, right? Yeah. It's not flip a switch and it's, there but there's certainly more collaboration more connection across Mm. departments and even when I think about our pillar groups right we put together pillar groups that are across departments so that people are together across departments working on a project and then so I I do think there's more um, more recognition that a decision impacts multiple departments that there's Mm -hmm. more connection Mm. um, just across the agency so so yeah that idea of co-creation, collaboration, um, it it not only stuck, but I think it is, it's kind of becoming the core of our DNA, Mm -hmm. really.
0: That's so Mm -hmm. great. I want to, I want to dig into something, uh, Sheila, you just said a second ago, and just for the sake of clarity for our, our listeners. You know, the there's impact pillars, they had three of them. They had an impact foundation, which is around what needs to be true about our organization in order to achieve these impact, these three impact pillars, of course, underneath those, there are a lot of uh, um, measurements and things like that in order to like, see, are we actually achieving those? And then the pillar groups are for, you have a group literally for each one of the impact pillars specifically. Um, and one of the things you said a minute ago, and I know when we we kicked off the the journey of the implementation and the operationalizing, that the uh, the directors or sort of the executive team, or I don't know whether what the right language is, but were the champions for the pillar groups, and then there was that shift. I think that's a that's really a big deal. You use the word mentor, that uh, they became mentors, and then other staff were now. Um, essentially the champions for the pillar groups, that's a big deal. That's like a really big deal. And I, I just wanted to dig into that a little bit of why was that so important to shift power and uh, shift role in, in the way that these your executive team was really working?
3: Well, I, I kind of – I'd love to share that. And I think part of it was um, – a Cynthia was uh, very gracious in listening to me. Uh, one day when I had some thoughts going into year two, and uh, you know, I, I said I shared that you know your senior leadership team has a big presence, a big footprint, big personalities, and uh, with all res- due respect, sometimes it gets in the way of other participants in the group from sharing their experience, strength, and hope for the pillar groups. And do you think in year two, maybe you can, you know, step out a little bit, step back into more of a coaching role, a mentor sure, sure. role? And uh, Cindy was very gracious and hurt me. And, you know, I, I talked about the situational leadership model that I felt like I was in a place where I could step to the next level of situational leadership in and fully embrace the process driver role and that what I needed at this time from senior leadership were, were to be available and to be mm-hmm. supportive and be mentors when I needed it or when I felt the groups needed it. And, uh, they entrusted me with that. Uh, so now my, my senior leadership team are, are mentors and I have champions mm-hmm. that I'm not a just directors; Some are, uh, uh, have other type of positions within the agency. Mm-hmm. It's really, I really wanted to focus on who has the passion, who has the drive mm. to to kind of steer the ship with me. Uh, yeah. And it didn't have to be designed by a title. That's
0: right. That is so fascinating to me that you wanted to harness the energy of the room and we didn't want to let any kind of roles or maybe hierarchy or position to get in the way of letting the energy in the room, in the groups to be able to come out. It's kind of what I'm hearing. Uh,
3: absolutely. I, I wanted the groups to feel that, what, that, their, that their thoughts mattered, that it had just this amount of weight, regardless of their position or role at greater national mental health, because uh, that's what co-creation is about. Mm. It not about title. Um, uh, it's just, you know, you know, what does Jamie have to say? What does Donna have mm. to say? Th- that's what's important to me. And I, uh, you know, I honestly don't even call the champions champions really. Uh, mm. they know who they are, but we don't really, I don't really use those terms.
1: Fair.
3: Uh, they're, they're just the, the, the person who's kind of overseeing the process in the group for me. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I don't call myself the process driver really. Um, you know, I'm, I'm Sheila and I, I'm kind of making sure all, all these pieces go together for the strategic direction. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I really, I really want it to be about all of us. It's about greater Nashville mental health. It's not about the hierarchical structure. Uh, Mm -hmm. That is so important to me when I'm working with the strategic direction.
2: um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's so if a I shift. were you, I'd be asking, what made that possible? Yeah. Right? Yeah, because- I love it.
0: <laughs> Go ahead. This is great. I'm just like, this is amazing.
2: Because yeah. it wasn't easy. Um yeah. I'll tell you, it wasn't it wasn't easy. Um A, Sheila has a lot of history with our organization, right? So though she shifted into this role, you know, as we were implementing the strategic direction, she'd done a knockout job of directing one of our other programs up until that point. Um so we have a lot of trust in her. So that certainly helps. Um and I would say that um one of the things that we did to ease the angst that maybe some of the the senior leadership team, even myself, have around that is we increased the amount of time Sheila was spending with us. Hmm. So we have um, my senior leadership team, we huddle daily, but we have kind of two weekly meetings. Um, and so, you know, at first Sheila was coming to one of those weekly meetings, you know, you know, every now and then every month Then okay. And then it's every other, every other week. And now it's like, okay, what's on the agenda. Does Sheila need to be here today? Mm-hmm. Um, and so at minimum it's every other week, but some months it might be every week. Yeah. Um, because there's just a lot she's juggling or that she needs our input on or that she wants to um, make sure she's working in the right way, that she's driving it in the right direction, that, you know, make sure that she doesn't get a big giant veto later on, because that would be really negative um, to have happen. And so making sure that was part of our cadence in our meetings was this constant check in. Mm. Um just allows it to live outside of us yeah but to have to still have our fingerprints on it mm. um to know that it's going in the way we mm. want it to go
1: i'm hearing you increase the rhythms around meeting but exactly. also that it sounds like and i know Sheila right before kind of we ended our coaching relationship we kind of talked about roles in the darcy framework right decision maker consulted informed i'm hearing that language as you all are talking about who needs to be informed versus maybe who the decision makers are. And I'm curious if Darcy has been something that has lived on as you all have thought about um, who needs to do what across these different entities.
3: Yes, I would say it definitely has, has lived on, uh, you know, for me, I reflect on it regularly. You know, I, yeah. I think about, it. I've actually been known to pull out the framework and like, kind of look at this. Okay. Okay. This is what I'm challenging myself with. Yeah. What, what boxes do I need to check? Uh, yeah. And it's been helped, you know, it's helped ground and center me mm. uh, and allow me to feel more confident in the things that uh, I can make, decisions on, uh, or allow me to say, okay, I need to touch base, uh, yep. with another decision maker, or what do I just need to inform? It's, it's allowed me to, uh, troubleshoot on my own a bit, uh, yeah. and has allowed me to grow, uh, you know, I think Sarah, since we stopped our coaching sessions back in, I don't even remember when it was May-ish, maybe, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I, I think I've grown to a place where I feel very, you know, confident when I go into senior leadership. Yeah. These are my asks. These are my needs. These are the things I'm informing you about. Uh, and I think I've become attuned or in tune with what I think the feedback's going to be mm. already. I'm already <laughs> proactively mm-hmm. anticipating that feedback yeah. from me- certain. I think I've formed relationships with each member of the senior leadership team, so I know where. You know, what might be a, an, a worry or a concern or, mm. you know, um, with our CIO, you know, my pushing a staff too much with certain projects. And I know I need to go and say, I know, I hear you. You've got major projects and I'm being very respectful of that. Th- these are my asks mm. uh, or, you know, I. So yeah. I think that relationship building has been so helpful with me coming to senior leadership. I have a relationship with each one of them individually right. now mm. uh, that's helped me move my work forward because it mm. do, isn't always like I need Cynthia. I right. really need me, right. Maureen Ryan, our COO. Yeah. And I need, I need this from her. Uh, so I've become more targeted in my asks.
1: Mm.
0: And asked mm. um, I'm part, This is great. This, I'm particularly curious about, you know one of the things we've noticed a lot lately um not even lately just in general is strategic plans are like again this sort of this thing on the shelf and people work on it but we have our other work and they're kind of like in these separate little categories Mm -hmm. i'm curious what that looks like for you all like how do when we talked about alignment at the beginning right and you kind of mentioned cynthia alignment with sheila doing you know helping to drive the process of the strategic direction and your senior leadership team, like how, how are you seeing it either come together or are there still some any kind of like a compartmentalization of the strategic plan? Like I'm curious about that because compartmentalization is such an issue. Like, oh yeah, this, but then we have a real work over here.
2: Mm-hmm. And I'm
0: curious how you've combated yeah. that. It, you've it's that-
2: funny because my my brain goes in like two very divergent directions. And one is Certainly a lot of strategic plans are very strategic, very uh, in the clouds, and you sort of hope by the end of the thing you go, oh, yeah, we actually did it, right, because you created <laughs> these other plans off mm-hmm. to the side. Um, but the strategic plan that we had here before this one was actually a glorified operational plan, and the board was almost too into the weeds. Mm. Um, for us. I mean, it it was very, I mean, it was really low. And so where we're at is, to me, is like in that happy medium. You know, we wax and wane a little bit here and there, but um, where we've got this great strategic direction, clear identified outcome indicators of who we want to be, what we want to achieve with access, with penetration rates into our communities, you know, those like big things. But it ties right into, and here's the tasks we need to do operationally to, to, to do it. I mean, a perfect example of this is like our senior leadership team has offsites um, every quarter. And I, there was, there is was no way for our team to do that now in the doing part without Sheila there mm. because we can't have an well, what's most important now? What's our operational plan for this? We can't have that conversation without the context of the strategic direction. Mm. And while mm. we could pull out the paper and we could refer to it and we could, you know, pull out the project plan and all of this, it's just, it's just easier to have her be part of the conversation. Yeah. Um, so to us, to me, they are one in the same. Right. Like it it does identify for us what's most important right now. Mm. And if it doesn't, we've set the expectation with the board that we're going to come back at them with a changed plan. We're not going to wait for three years from now and say, oh, well, the context changed. That's actually not the direction we need to head. So Mm. we've already created a V2 at the end of year one. We presented a V2 of our plan. And we plan to give them a V3 at the end of this year mm. um, that will have, you know, some success targets identified, some outcome indicators removed mm. and become a success target underneath the different outcome indicator. Um, it's just because we see it as a learning, growing, living And I think that's why there is a disconnect for a lot of people is because the plan is a plan. It's not living and breathing and operational plans are living and breathing. But if you see the strategic plan or the strategic direction, as we call it, as living and breathing, then the two can be merged.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's like it's almost like the more the more that we learn. And don't and have a static plan. The more that those converge,
2: exactly,
0: or diverge, not converge, but diverge into compartments. Because, I mean, we've we've seen this with quite a few organizations this year. Of like the staff is learning into the strategic direction or the plan, and the board is holding them to the letter of the plan when it was created and it cr- it creates rifts and it creates yeah. compartmentalization it actually creates rifts in relationship too mm-hmm. and when like it, it grows more and more irrelevant to the staff basically and mm-hmm. so i hear what you're saying is is you have an annual process of updating the version of the strategic direction so that's like a an, an existing rhythm that your board is expecting, you're expecting, mm-hmm. we're all expecting. So that way, it it can be updated to current learning and knowledge. Mm-hmm. And also, yeah. oh, and sorry, Sarah. Well, and the last thing as I'm noticing with what you're sharing is, you have somebody who who almost like I hear you saying that Sheila, you own the voice of the strategic direction. Mm -hmm. Right. And how important that is. I
3: co-own it. Yeah. There you
0: go. (laughs) Oh, oh, the the voice of the strategic direction so that way people can, like you're a mentor to others, including the senior leadership team around wanting to make sure that we're in alignment. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah, that's kind of what I'm hearing. Mm. That's really fascinating.
1: Sheila, I was going to ask if you can give us an example and our listeners an example of something in the strategic plan that you all have updated just to give people our, like a real kind of nitty-gritty example of something you've said, we've learned into us at this and we've adjusted it this way.
3: Uh, you know, for, like for our V2, uh, I don't think we did major changes to the strategic direction. It was more um, providing better context around definitions or Mm. words within the strategic direction uh, to give them more meaning to our Mm. staff, like, uh, you know, person-centered planning. And uh, it was important for them uh, or prevention, have it first for our staff or for our board, everyone to have a better understanding. So it was smaller Mm. tweaks. I think for V2 Mm. is what what I would like to say. Uh, I think it was very important to look at the, the impact pyramid and make that change because it really wasn't an appropriate visual to the work that was happening. Mm. With Uh, intentional development underneath excellence of care and empowered communities. Mm. I think that was important. You know, today in my office, we were talking about a V3, like Mm. June, we're going to need to start working on a V3. And, uh, you know, if you said that to me a year ago, I probably would have been like, Cynthia, what are you talking about? <laughs> can, uh, yeah. You know, you're scaring well, I'm me. I'm
2: my work. No, no, I don't know. How,
3: but now for me, it's like, yeah, that right. makes sense. Yeah. Um, because it, everything I talk about, when I talk to staff, and I talk all the time to staff, and they're talking about their work, and I will sometimes hear some resistance about things. And I'm like, you're already doing the work of the strategic direction. I just need to, like, connect the dots. Mm. Yeah for staff, mm-hmm. I think that's what in they have that aha moment. Like when, right. you know, when I talk about excellence of care and I start sharing, well that's about, you know, consistently seeing your 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 clients and you know, wanting to see clients sooner rather than later and con- you know, connecting the dots about the work that we're doing it starts to have those aha moments. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem like I'm not going to minimize demands that we all have because we have yeah. multiple demands throughout the day. <laughs> but if you can see how things are interrelated yes. and how some of the work in the initiatives we're trying, that I'm trying to do within the pillar groups can help another staff member do their job more effectively yeah. or be able to spend more client facing time. Uh, it's been very helpful. Uh, mm. A big, big part for me, I want buy-in. So I go around and I talk about ways, you know, to get someone's buy-in yeah. and, uh, Am I positive? Am I authentic? Do I like when I think? I think about our values mm-hmm. of our strategic direction, and I try to encompass those values every single day. Uh, I wasn't able to join a management council meeting today, but the chat mm-hmm. was going uh, when I was attending another meeting. And Cynthia asked a question about uh, what I wanted. What would you celebrate about mm-hmm. uh, you or your team over the last year? And you know, and I thought, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to answer that question because it's important. Uh, and it was about, you know, valuing our, you know, my team's ability and my ability to uh, to have a can-do attitude, you know, mm-hmm. to be uh, to be authentic, to be positive, to flex when things get challenging and difficult, instead of going, can't do this, too much work, too much mm-hmm. to this, uh, you know, mm-hmm. flex and pivot and I I try to embody the values of our strategic direction every single day and every single meeting. And I'm not talking about being Pollyanna. It's just like when I come into greater Nashua, these are, these are our values and I'm going to put my best foot forward every day Mm -hmm. to embody those. Because if I don't do that, how can I expect another person in my agency to do that? That's right. So I need to role model that even when the days it's hard. Yeah.
0: Dang
2: you still it. do it. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. You still do it. So oh
0: true. My gosh. This is such a rich conversation, especially about the nuts and bolts. I think that's where, you know, people get hung up on hearing rhythms. I'm hearing, you know, the role Sheila that you play and how important that is. Um, and I'm hearing from that first question, which we really just riffed on that one of what's been sticking is, is co-creation is, is the way forward. And, and it's been sticking and not only has it been sticking, but I'm hearing that it's been uh, really beneficial for how, I mean, the things you were charged with, Cynthia, right. As you were talking Mm about, you were charged now, what, three year three years ago or so. How long has it been?
2: Yeah. I've been in this role for three and a half years now.
0: And you were charged three and a half years ago with the morale, like, helping Mm -hmm. to support the morale. You are helping to improve the organizational culture, improve community connections. Those are all the things that like you're the new CEO, so go fix it, you know, or go, go make it way better than it is now. And it sounds like co-creation is at the crux of that.
2: Yeah. I mean, and I would say that it's not even just internally, right? So one of our empowered community pillar, right. It's, it's in there that we're part of the, the community is part of what we do. So we have an advisory group made up of individuals from our community, people with lived experience with mental illness, either themselves or their family members who Sheila's constantly talking to who are also supporting some of these things. So an example, right, we client satisfaction is one of our you know, targets within our, our um, strategic direction well not only did the pillar group look at it but the advisory group looked at That's it fun. you know what if they were to get this survey what reactions would they have to the questions do they understand the questions right so it was a even externally to us although you know the advisory group is kind of ours if you will but they're external members of it um co-creating even with them and that constant loop of feedback and iteration and not no one person or no one group has the answer right and 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 no one period of time had the answer so that example you gave Tucker about a board holding them to some plan that was created 3 years ago I and mean, that assumes the people of 3 years ago could predict today
1: that's right that's right yeah
2: and they can't yeah. right so of course there needs to be iteration and um you know, acceptance of the learning that's happened along the way. But I think there's um, there's always concern that somebody's fluffing it to make it look better. Yeah. Oh, you're just making that change so it looks better, right? And so a big part of the buy-in with the board, which, of course, that's been my responsibility rather than Sheila's. Sheila's really doing the buy-in from the staff, and I'm really doing the buy-in from the board, mm-hmm. right, has been to help them see the rationale for the change. To see the numbers, like even when they're not so great, right? We we didn't change this target by that pilot. So we tried this pilot. Its shifted our numbers a little. so we want to change the whole direction because we want we want more of that. Yeah, right. And so just being transparent about the why yeah. behind the change is it's I mean, it's imperative. It's crucial. Ooh. and then it becomes co-creating it with the board. Right. They can see my rationale and they can buy into it or not. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm curious, Cynthia, as you think about kind of the board and the strategic plan and direction as it is right now. Curious, your reflection on how that's going as you all are living into it almost its third year. What have you learned? Um, what has the board learned, do you think? I'm
2: curious. Um. I think we started probably a little too heavy mm. on um, trying to quantify everything and missed a lot of that. So what impact message with the board? Mm. Um, I think we assumed they journeyed with us mm. to create the strategic direction that they understood the, so what, and the why. Um, and then it, that's act- that's not the case. Mm. I mean, yes, they do, right? Because they were part of it, but they don't do it every single day like way. we yeah. do. Yes. And so just saying, oh, here's how we're monitoring this one or we're at this percent with this one hasn't quite been enough. Yeah, mm-hmm. it makes a nice metric, sure. um, but it doesn't get them to continually engage in it the same way. Um, you know, talking about the client satisfaction and showing it to them. And like, this is what we've done. And this is how we've leaned into it. Um, or the why behind it, um, that I think we've shifted to a little bit more kind of in this second half here of year two. Um, mm. it has, so it's it's awesome. just been really important.
1: Yeah, the both that kind of qualitative storytelling side and combined with the, here's where we're at. Here's progress toward the towards the things hmm. yeah hmm. well i'm curious sheila as you think about your top learnings over this period you know of being the process driver what would you say your kind of core learnings are and maybe for both of you adding on a bonus question what's been the hardest thing what's been the hardest i'm gonna start with the hardest. do it <laughs>
3: i'm gonna do that uh as much as I love co-creation and believe in co-creation, uh, I'm a teeny teeny bit want to be in control sometimes. Uh, <laughs> I'm right there with you. Yeah. You know, uh, it's, you know, I love it and want. You know, it's. I'll take empowered Community. I was the former co-champion with Cynthia of Empowered Community. And uh, I feel bad for that group now after thinking about that. (laughs) Um, Me too, actually. (laughs) And then when Cynthia stepped back, I also needed to step back. I I put in a champion and I was going to truly be the process driver. And it was like... Driving a car with your teenager, you teach them the drive. You know, you're like doing one of one of the <laughs> double time.
0: Watch out for that place. Watch out for that place.
3: <laughs> and uh, that was the hardest thing for me. Mm-hmm. And because I truly believe in my core, these my champions know exactly what they need to do, and they have they're going to get it done. And I had to. Sometimes I'm like, ah, no, nope, Shayla, you're going to close it, and you you're going to mm-hmm. let them. Do what they need to do and if it doesn't work out we're going to course correct you know mm. allowing that opportunity uh for for learning mistakes to happen because mistakes are bad and that's what i keep telling my my pillar group work workers like we're going to try this and if it doesn't work it doesn't mean we failed it that's means we learned really and yeah. we're going to apply it somewhere different mm. so that was the hardest thing for me to do mm. uh, you know my my biggest learnings. Uh, it reinforced for me. I I'm I think this is where I really needed to li- kind of land professionally mm. in some ways uh, because I'm really good. I'm a really good project manager. Yeah. And the bigger the project, the more passionate and exciting I get about the work yeah. uh, and being able to work across departments and within the community uh, is allowed me to unleash another set of skills and professionally develop, uh, in a way that, uh, my previous position, you know, it, it didn't let me get there enough. It was like when I went to Cynthia about a particular grant, I'm like, we really need to apply for this, please, 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 you know? Um, and we did and we got it. Uh, but, I knew it was a huge undertaking, uh, yeah. but I think the agency allowed me to grow professionally mm-hmm. yeah. and and make mistakes and learn from it. Allow me great, you know, mistakes mm-hmm. aren't bad. I can make a mistake and not feel like, oh my God, I'm going to be in trouble. It's like, okay, this was your rationale for the decision you made. There's a consequence and an accountability and a learning process for it. Yes. But it you move forward. And that to me has been an amazing learning mm-hmm. and taking away
2: yeah so good Sheila so good um I don't know that there's too much more to say because I'd say some of my hardest parts exact very similar like Mm. the the letting go the the, you know the outcome I have in mind is a good one but letting the process outlay it might be an even better one Mm. um right and so just letting the process work I mean it works right It, it works um I think one of the other things for me is I think about how this model, having this direction, doing what we're doing with pillar work groups, it really is an example of a lot of things that are just good leadership. Um, And how that can be hard. Yeah. Right. Um sometimes leaders get in the role we get in because we're really good at doing something by ourselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. I get shit done. Pardon my French. Right. <laughs> so therefore people look at me as someone who should be promoted because I get shit done. Yes. But if as a leader, my only way of getting stuff done is by myself well, that actually isn't reading. It's just checking the things off. And so I think, Another thing that's hard is that constant, no, we're, we're a, we're a team, we're a team, right? Mm. I I have to ask for help Mm. and it's okay to ask for help. And it's actually not a bad reflection. If I ask for help, it's actually a positive one because it means I've embraced the team and the whole moving forward, not just me as an individual moving Mm. forward. Um, so it, it's, it's just really reinforced the importance of that mind shift, mm. um, as a leader mm. for, for me as, you know, the leader, uh, as the CEO. Mm.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's like a whole other operating system, right. To have, I guess for simplicity, top-down leadership versus co-creative leadership mm-hmm. and, and, I think this has been such a wonderful gift for, I would say for me too, but also I think for people to hear the nitty gritties of leaning into this new operating system, this next normal of leadership of you all are impact driven leaders and you are doing it because you're measuring it and you're co-creating those measures and you're creating impact from the inside out. Like I'm hearing all these things that you all are doing that is so relevant to our day and age right now. Um, That is healing for people. That is inviting them into, I mean, Sheila, when you were just talking about your own role and inviting you into a, a, a more, a a better and a brighter you even in your own professional space. Yeah. I just, these stories have been just bringing such a big smile to my heart Mm -hmm. and, and hearing them. So thank you both for being on this show. Uh, thank you for, uh, coming back on Cynthia and sharing where you've come and where you're going. Um, and maybe we'll, Maybe we'll do another one in a year and say, yeah, like, "Okay, hey, now what's <laughs> going on? How's We're on the calendar now, right?
2: Hold it. <laughs> really?
0: Well, thank you so much, though, for for just sharing your wisdom, because I think a lot of nonprofit leaders, especially, and it, any impact-driven leaders who are creating strategic plans and strategic directions, it is such a pain for most people. And then we spend all this time and all this effort and all this energy, all for what? All for it to sit on the shelf gathering dust and in a worst case scenario, creating animosity and tension between the board and the staff. Like none of us want that. So why are we doing it in the way that doesn't, that leads to that? Let's do it in a way that does it to what we want, which is what you're doing. And so I just really applaud you for, for being reflective of yourselves and leaning into co-creation. That's incredible.
2: Yeah, awesome. Thanks. Thanks Tucker. And I, I think that's, that's the big thing too, is like, the strategic plan is not a one and done check mark, right? I mean, there's yeah. so much work to implementing it. And you have thinking about that in the creation of it. What's the, op, you know, going to look like, how are we going to do this thing? Is, is, is as important as what are we going to do? Yes.
0: So true. The what's good and the how is just as important. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, thank you for the time and listeners we will uh, put a link to Greater National Mental Health, you can take a look at them online at gnmh.org, if I'm not mistaken. Did I get that right? Yeah. And um, and uh, if you ever want to reach out to Cynthia or Sheila on LinkedIn, I'm sure they'd be happy to answer any questions or thoughts. Um, what a great episode. I'm so happy and so grateful for you all and your leadership. Awesome. See you, everybody. Thanks, y'all.
1: Thank you.